Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy is with us in studio today and uh, we are going to start with uh, talking about QR codes and their role in pricing. Uh, We're then going to move on to uh, what will perhaps be the longer part of the conversation about the dangers of agreeing to cell phone contract terms over the phone. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you'll know both Wendy and I absolutely refuse to do it. And um, if you listen to the show, uh, you'll understand why I think at the end, once you've listened to our two case studies in particular. Just to say, though, that if you would like to share your own experience and if you would like uh, to talk to us about what happened to you or to ask a question about your rights in a particular situation, you're very welcome to either call in on 021-446-0567 or to send a WhatsApp to 072-567-1567. Um, before we get started, this maybe just a quick one that we can answer for Ian, who's just WhatsApped me, Wendy. Okay. And welcome, by Thank the way. Thank you. Uh, Ian's saying he knows it's off topic, but would Wendy be able to help resolve a phishing scam dispute with his bank? Uh, yes, it's pretty much stock and trade okay. uh, for me. Um, the first question that the banks will look at is whether or how he compromised his, what they call the keys to the safe, his banking details. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they if it's found that he did, then it's, it's, it's reduces his chances of getting his money back. But having said that, once the uh, fraud is reported to the bank, if the bank is then slow to stop further hemorrhaging from the bank account, I, I know certainly the banking ombud would then um, rule that the bank is partly um, liable, liable to okay. to um, reimburse. So it depends on the circumstances, but yes, I've had a lot of experience with, with those cases. But the first question I'm going to go back with is, are you sure, absolutely sure, that you didn't inadvertently, because no one does it on purpose, um, make it easy uh, make it possible for the fraudster to um, access, your, access account. your account yeah okay so Ian if you'd like to send um, uh, a WhatsApp uh, or sorry an email is best you can mail Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R um, and just please make sure you set out the dates what happened what the banker said to you already etc um, uh, do it all in one email and please just put in the subject line Cape Talk Fishing Scam uh, and uh, we'll see if it's something that Wendy can help with thank you Wendy a few weeks ago a, a listener asked us a very interesting question which I know you've been doing some digging into yep. the question was, is it acceptable for companies to only display their prices via a scannable QR code? In other words, there's no price label on the item. There's no price label on the shelf. There's just a code that you've got to scan on your phone. At the time, I think you remember I said, I very much doubt that that is, um, that does tick the compliance box when it comes to the uh, Consumer Protection Act. I think it's Section 26, which is quite long and complicated. Mm-hmm. It basically says you, the retailer has to supply the price either on the item, an old-fashioned price tag, or on a some kind of tag or label, as we see in supermarkets, on uh, um, in the vicinity of. So on a on a strip underneath, or you know, the <laughs> on usual a tag case, attached to it or something. One general yes. sign for an entire bin of things, and that kind of thing. So it's very specific. Um, but I did say, like, no, that's I need to make sure. So I did check with a couple of experts. First port of call was, of course, Cape Town-based consumer attorney Trudy Brookman, who listeners will know well. Her response was, I do not think a QR code is acceptable, as it's only usable to consumers who have 
charge smartphones and with enough data on them. So mm-hmm. it discriminates against all other consumers and the retailer is failing to disclose the price to the item, which is a breach of the Consumer Protection Act. I also checked with Nikki Stitka, who is head of complaints at the Ombudsman for Consumer Goods and Services. Unbeknown to me, she was in hospital at the time, oh, but shame. she very kindly um, responded. She said, I haven't got any of my uh, legal stuff with me, but she says, I very much doubt that having to scan a QR code constitutes displaying a price as the CPA requires. And she made this very similar points um, to Trudy. It isn't immediately visible, therefore not displayed. It requires a consumer to have a smartphone, a plane cell will... Um, not even a plain cell will suffice. That must have data. And thirdly, the consumer must have their phone with them to be able to ascertain the price and the time to do it. How often do you leave your phone in the car or wherever and quickly run into the shop to buy something? I often do. So in summary, said Nikki, I don't think it comes close to complying. To my mind, anything requiring a QR code to access will be something of a personal choice. You as an individual want to find out more about whatever topic or product that interests you. So you will take time to scan the code. So... Uh, essentially as the only means of displaying a price is not acceptable. It's not good enough. And I don't know if you heard Lester talking on his show, our other promo for the show played, and he said, oh, I want to listen to Wendy Nolly. He said he recently went for a work meeting, meeting somebody for the first time in a little cafe here in Seapoint. And they only had, the waitress came along and said, you know, scan the code to see the menu. But they would just meet and getting into a discussion. And he said, Neither of them wanted to stop and go through that hassle of mm. doing it, um, which is a lot more cumbersome than just looking at it. At a page, a, yeah. Or chalkboard or something. And in the end, this woman kept coming back and, you know, saying, hey, and they just said, oh, we'll have coffee. So that place actually lost out because... Yeah, they probably would have had a full breakfast or something. Yeah. They? Now, I agree with him completely. I find it intensely irritating when you offered only the menu on a QR code. I know it's supposed to be trendy and cool and with it. As an addition for those that are that, that way inclined and, and, and want that experience, fine. But it cannot, certainly not in a country like South Africa, it doesn't matter which part of it we're talking about, it cannot be the only... the. Um, exclusive way that you can gain access to the prices of goods that they have okay. on sale or, or services. I mean, I'm sure the the the, the restaurants, for in particular, will argue that it it facilitates changing menu items, changing pricing with availability and pricing. Paper. But I mean, how hard can it be? As you said, a, a chalkboard. Once yes. you invest in the chalkboard, there's no additional outlay to change a few things on that. Just a bit of chalk yeah, um, and a bit of a bit of effort. Yeah. Uh, why put the effort onto your customers rather than taking it yourself? I'd be interested to hear if anybody disagrees. Maybe there's somebody listening who has adopted that uh, that position in their restaurant and wants to tell us why you made that switch. I know for some it was a COVID thing. They didn't want people handling menus. As we know, that was chalkboard uh, solved a nothing burger. Um, anyway, a chalkboard would have solved and it as well. And it's not legal. Yeah. That's the main That's the thing. bottom line. That was it's the question. Legal. Yeah. So my, my answer to that is push back gently um, and point out if, if you come across this and it irks you that it's not legally legal. It doesn't actually comply with displaying a price as required and, and defined by the Act. And um, let us know how they respond. And, um, yeah, I'd certainly like to know um, of places that are doing it and give them a chance to I think, you know, I dare say those that have done it have no idea that it's not legally that it's not compliant. Legal, yeah. You know, they're not sort of um, cocking a snook at the law, but the, but the point is it is illegal. They need to be aware it is, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sitting here smiling, Wendy. Um, we know that picking up COVID from a surface like a menu 
turned out not to be a thing. Having said that, though, thinking back to my own waitressing days and how disgusting some of those <laughs> menus got to be if they weren't properly cleaned. And just as an aside, perhaps it's also that, that they think it's it's more hygienic and easier to keep a handle on cleaning menus by having an electronic digital version that customers access off their own phone. Their own I always phone. think it's a very good indicator of the quality of experience you expect from a restaurant. Look at how clean the menus are. Look and at how clean lose. the sauce bottles are. Look at the loose, you know, the salt and Attention paper. Are they detail. full? Is totally the tomato agree. sauce neck bottle of, of the bottle clean? That sort of thing is a good indicator of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And if they're paying attention on that, then chances are they're paying attention on the expiry f- you know, dates of food in the kitchen it's and cleanliness in the kitchen as well. All of that. Yeah. And treating their, uh, one staff their staff properly. Yeah. That is a conversation we need to follow up again. Yes, for um, sure. As well. Um, yeah, okay, let's have a look. Um, Zakira saying, I asked Paul's in Dubai to give me their hard copies that I didn't, because I didn't want to scan on my phone. They bought a tab for me to, they bought a tablet for me to view the oh, menu on. Gosh, Not no. quite the same, is it? Vicky feeling strongly on this one from Pinelands. She say, I, says, I would walk out and find a restaurant that could offer me a menu. And this, by the way, do the restaurants who do this have free Wi-Fi? That's also a very yes, good point. If you're expecting I thought about reading one of those um, expert opinions. I just think, you know, sometimes in my in my customer experience training, I often say just, you know, you might think this is fantastic, keep me up with the times and meeting the techie needs of your customers, but do you stop and actually, just because you think it's great and you've put some effort into it doesn't mean that it actually is great for the customer experience yeah. and to actually seek feedback and take on board feedback from your actual customers as to whether it's landing well with them or not. I'd love to hear from younger listeners. Maybe Wendy and I are of a generation that is not adapting to this, but, but I suspect a, it's a, they're going to have a range of customers, and B, it's not legal. So yeah, and C, as this listener points out, it sucks looking at a menu on such a small surface. <laughs> I hate, hate, hate QR code menus. They say the last thing I want to stare at in a restaurant is, is my phone. I walk out of restaurants if they have this nonsense. A plain paper menu is so cheap to print, you can throw one away per customer and just add 30 cents to the meal is the comment. Um, totally yeah. agree. So, okay. People are feeling quite strongly about this. Um, uh, okay. I believe we've got a voice note um, on that subject. So we'll take a listen to that. Happy to take some more of your comments on the QR code issue, and then we can move on to the cell phone contracts after the eyewitness news. For now, though, let's take a listen to that voice note. Good afternoon, Pippa. Regarding QR codes, um, this one has nothing to do with pricing, but I was not too chuffed when I attended a carol service um, this past Christmas season, and um, everybody had to scan the QR code to get the words of the carols that were to be sung that evening. Um, This did not sit well with me. You take care. Thanks. This is Marlene. Marlene, can I be cheeky and say if you'd been going to church more regularly, you wouldn't have needed a scanned copy of the carol words to be able to sing? No. Uh, Look, one thing that is coming through again and again in the comments, Wendy, is the number of people saying, never mind the inconvenience of having to scan it, the difficulty of reading it. It's actually Mm. not a user-friendly format to present somebody. And think about it. You're having to swipe left and right to see the price, to see the ingredients, to go back again, scroll back up. You can't flip between pages easily. I would actually do exactly what others have suggested and walk out. Ken's saying it puts me off going. uh, If a restaurant does that, he says, Satana and Mui point only has this option and it's very very irritating i go there less because of it uh another comment saying i was in turkey and i used the qr code 
um, menu and then translated to English from Turkish. I loved the concept. Okay, so, so that's a, that's it, the that space kind of in which it makes sense. Context. Yeah. Yes, there are bonuses. It really does. And then another comment, um, if I can just find it, which has. Uh, Oh, here we go. Um, somebody saying pajamas in German, Somerset West also do this. And I was so embarrassed to have to tell them I could not read the menu because the lettering was so mm-hmm. small. Again. I really hated having to do that. Is that something you want to do to your customers? customers? Yeah. So rethink it, please. If it is your position that you only have that, perhaps think have of having it, a stack of printed menus available for those you'd who want. think. It's surely not, doesn't not have hard. to be that hard. No. Mm. Again, I'd love to hear from any uh, restaurant owners who've adopted this approach as to what your thinking is. Um, and uh, here's somebody who listened to their customers, as you suggested, uh, Grant writing in to say, Fernandez Pizza and Observatory used to use QR codes. Now they have proper menus again, so they obviously listened to their customers, and it's still my favorite pizza place. Wow. That's great. Exactly. Um, That's all you yeah. So they tested it. The customers said we don't like it. They went back to what the customers wanted. And no wonder they keep on getting burr to the best pizza yes. uh, in Cape Town and all the competitions. Grant, thank you for that feedback. Yeah, as I said, if anybody listening is a restaurant owner, and it's not only restaurants, Wendy. The, the complaint that started this wasn't, uh, I think we had two cases. One was a restaurant, was one was another kind of retailer. Yeah. Um, in a shopping environment, I would find it even more even irksome, more so. uh, I think. Yes. So if somebody insists on using QR code, you've learned today that it's not strictly in line with the law. You so you have grounds yes, to tell them You that. shouldn't need a device or it should be very plain and simple for you to actually see. That's what the word display means. Mm. Display doesn't mean you get to hold your phone up at this code and then see the information that we are by law required to share with you. It means it is displayed for you to see, requiring no further effort other than... Opening your eyes and looking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, One more on the QR codes before we move on to the next subject. And this is from somebody who uh, says, I am a young person. I'm 25 years old. I also don't like the QR code menus. I like to be able to look around the whole menu at once while deciding what to order. It just takes so long to scan and open and then you accidentally click out and you've got to scan (laughs) in all over again. I'm so glad it's not just me. I really appreciate that feedback, as do I appreciate the message saying lots of restaurants in Brisbane, Australia have this QR code. You order and then one only sees a waiter when they bring the order. It is just so awful and also difficult for us oldies, us middlies too. I think I can count myself as still a middlie. I'm sort of getting on to oldie now, so (laughs) that informs my comments. One more for now from Julia saying, I personally don't like the QR code menu system because it takes away from the dining experience sitting on your phone, especially when you are trying to specifically keep phones away and be more present. I don't think single-use menus are a good option because that adds to paper wastage. She says, I sell wine to the trade. I know it can be quite expensive to print decent-looking menus and either laminate or create booklets, especially when menus are seasonal. Yeah, that was my point. I understand the the want needing to be able to update, particularly if you are the kind of establishment that changes the menu regularly. But find a way of doing it. I think a chalkboard suffices, really. I mean, it can be as rustic or upmarket as you want to make it. Yeah. Um. In addition with, you know, you have a, a, a serving person, a waiter in front of you that you can get clarification from or whatever, mm. or just a classy, you know, I, I get the, the paper thing, but I mean, they're a business. They're one sheet of A4 paper, very printed in a nice font. I mean, that can be very classy and so easy bank, yeah. for in everybody and just change it every day. 
I would like that. That would give me a sense that they're using readily available ingredients or, you know, that it's very... Anyway, yeah, I'm going to give the final word for now to Zuki. And she says, I generally don't have a problem with QR codes, but I still feel retailers should not make it an effort for me to purchase from them. And, nor does and it's the, much the easier to feel, read a printed price. Nor does the Consumer Protection Act feel that you should have to work hard to get a price. Nail on head, Zuki. So Thank that's you. That's the, the end of that. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it as an exclusive means of displaying your prices. We're back after a short break talking cell phone contracts over the phone. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation. And so to the issue of getting committed to a cell phone contract via a phone call. And Wendy, you and I have both stated Mm -hmm. many times before we will not do it. Uh, I actually anecdotally had the occasion to repeat that decision just a day or two ago because sure enough, MTN called me. They must have known in the stars that this conversation was coming (laughs) to deliver a perfect example of why I don't do it. Phones me up saying, time to upgrade to a new contract. And I said to them, thanks, but no thanks. First, you don't want a contract. I've had a look on your website and there's nothing there that offers me equivalent value to the package I'm currently getting on my month to month. So I'll stay where I am. And then it was, of course, oh, no, but not all of our offers are on I, the website. I could have scripted that. For yeah. You. Let me walk you through what your options are. And I stopped and I said, look, I'm happy to listen if you can guarantee me that you will put what you're about to tell me in writing in an email at the end of no it. No chance. Cannot done. End of conversation. So, I mean, we've said They want to hold all the cards. Yeah, they don't want anything in writing that they can be held to is the bottom line. And they also don't, not without a fact, they won't give you your uh, copy of the call recording. And this is my big beef with it. For any any form of sales over the phone, whether it's insurance or anything else. So if you go into a store and you sign or a bank and you sign um, a contract, there's never a a notion that you won't get a copy. Imagine if someone said to you, no, we're going to keep the copy and you can't. And, you can't. Yeah. and maybe if you have a dispute or you're not sure of something, you can come into the bank and ask the manager and he'll maybe let you see it. I mean, we'd go, that's preposterous, but that's what happens when you take out a, a contract over the phone the call recording becomes what's called the mandate. It's proof of what was offered to you and what you accepted, right? Okay. So, and I'm going to f- go to my grave kicking and screaming for t- the law to change to say that they must automatically send it to you within <coughs> 45 days, mm. right? Because you've got to a week's cooling off yeah. period, right? Um, right now, the act doesn't say anything. It, it only says that the the company must retain it. And I spoke to the then commissioner and he said, no, that's, I said, the legislators must surely have made a mistake here. They couldn't have meant for that. The customer is not entitled. So he said, yes, we, we understand as a commission the, con- the consumer is entitled, entitled to access to it, which doesn't go far enough for okay. me. And that's why you've got cell phone companies and others, had a case uh, which was an insurer, that said go into go into the office and the manager will, will um, let Play you listen to the call. Yes. I said, what, like a schoolboy going to the headmaster? This is ridiculous. Anyway, mm. rant over, but it, it's... But when you listen to the case studies today, you'll understand why. Uh, I mean, Wendy, you've been dealing with this for, for more than two decades now. You must have dealt with hundreds of such if cases. If not thousands, but let's okay. say hundreds, for sure, hundreds. Um, most of them I don't actually publicize because it's just like more of the same. But every now and then I like to do it as a reminder. I like to share some case studies as to why I'm so anti it. Mm-hmm. Why I'm saying rather take the trouble to go into, it, into an actual store. Um, because as I say... There's misrepresentation. It's a different phone. You get a different phone. You don't get as many, um, as much data or as much airtime as they said, or the the, the um, 
contract period is wrong or there's just misrepresentation, right? Not all telesales agents, but some, many that I've come across. But if they then fixed it when it came to light, if they let you have the call recording immediately and, and said, very sorry, it's happened, we're dealing with it, fine. But that the cases that come to me, that, that clearly hasn't happen. happened. And mm. people have battled at call center level for sometimes years or at least a year before it finally lands up in my inbox. In your inbox, yeah. yeah. So two case studies. Um, okay, let's we start with Herman's story. Yes. So on the 15th of Jan, a couple of weeks ago, Herman Reuter emailed us sharing his engagement with Vodacom about an injustice which had been dragging on for more than a year without resolution or even a response. This while Vodacom continued to take about 400 rand from his bank account every month for a contract that he'd cancelled a year earlier, right? His, he already had a legitimate existing Vodacom contract, so they, they they did have a right to um, to debit his bank account for that. But this was an extra four hundred rand on top of that. So November twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty three, twenty twenty two, he made the mistake of agreeing to a laptop contract when he was called by a sales agent representing Vodacom. I've put it like that because they all use third party companies to do the t- to do sales the selling, for yes. them, right? but they're responsible for the actions in terms of the CPA. So uh, when the laptop was delivered, he immediately realized that the spec uh, wasn't anything like that which the sales agent had promised him. So he got a different laptop, an inferior one. He took it up with Vodacom. They listened. Now they got this part right. They listened to a recording of the sales uh, call. Didn't give it to him, but they listened and said, "Okay, you were misled by that sales agent. Uh, What do you want to do? Do you want to carry on with it? Do you want to cancel? He said, I want to cancel. And he sent back the laptop. Um, this was three days before Christmas 2022. Um, courier came. He has a reference number for it being actually received by Vodacom and Midrand. Okay. Okay. So office. there's no question the laptop was returned. It was in its proper condition, in its proper packaging. No problem at they all. They agreed that he had the right to return ah. it. But then they didn't stop charging no, him for it. They just carried on and on and on. And he. Um, he's one of those wonderful complainants who documented. He started documenting his engagements from a- April of last year. To summarise, he was no one in cancellations. All sales took any accountability for the problem. He went. He thought, okay, let me try and do this in person. So he went to his local Vodacom branch. Um, and he was told, no, they don't have a mandate to deal with telesales contracts. <laughs> Again, remember this. If you take out a telesales contract, you're languishing in the call center, nothing's happening, and you think, which is a natural assumption, let me go and be sorted. No, they can't deal with those telesales. It happened through a different channel. So you're on your own, Mm. right? Just think about that. I mean, it's just preposterous to me. Um, So you're stuck with faceless customer care people and bots. Um, Bots is another issue, but... So he went to the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud and he was then, I'm not sure why, referred to the National Consumer Commission. No response. Oh, no. Come on. This is the part that really is the icing on the cake. Four months ago, he got another telesales call, this time an invitation to upgrade his other legitimate Vodacom (laughs) contract. So he says, tells them about this story with the laptop contract. And he says, I'm really not keen to take another contract with Vodacom. Oh, no, says the telesales agent. I will see to it that your service request has been logged successfully and that you get a full refund. Well, he didn't get the refund. And it wasn't, she didn't have the authority to make that promise. She's a completely Mm. different third party, different channel. 
utterly defeated two weeks ago. Herman asked me to intervene. And of course, what happened almost immediately is what should have happened a year ago, more than a year ago. Vodacom told me the cancellation has been loaded. It's effective immediately. We are busy processing the credit note to Herman's account. As soon as we're able to pull the call recordings, we'll run a full root cause analysis of what went wrong. Uh, apparently, there was an issue with the manner in which the laptop was booked with our courier company, which also contributed to the delay in cancellations. Well, booked. I mean, it was delivered. He got He's confirmation got it was delivered. So how is that the courier yeah. company's issue? Anyway, part of the root cause analysis will include investigating what happened with the courier company, as well as what happened during the call interaction with our call center agent. It should be calls. Because, yeah, as I how said, many he made over the, those, that year. Um, okay, yeah. so we, one hopes that that's the end of and the road you, for Herman. But, yes, but yeah. if he hadn't emailed us... He would still be another year from me. I'm quite sure. Go off his, and what his would account? his recourse be? He tried the commission. He tried the Umbud. I mean, it's unfair. He was going yeah. to buy a laptop on a Black Friday sale when he got that call. And he thought, oh, well, let me do it this way. And I've only left to regret that decision. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Now this is another one that really makes your blood boil, uh, and this time it's involving a telecom uh, contract. Tell yes. us about Oren's case. So Oren knew that his sales call with a third-party telecom agent proved that he had mandated them to take payment. Uh, of a, uh, for a fiber account, a fiber contract that he agreed with via debit order. He was given the choice um, between self-paying and a debit order. And he said, no, let's do the debit order. But Telcom wanted him to pay an alleged arrears amount of 8,000 rand recently, insisting that he agreed to self-pay and then he didn't. He refused. The standoff lasted a year without resolution when he came to me. He kept pleading, and this is why um, when I heard about his case, I said, I'm taking this up. He pleaded with Telcom to send in the recording of that November 2022 phone conversation with that Telcom third-party agent to prove that he had said um, he wanted this debit order and that it fell on deaf ears. Now, obviously, the question here is how could you not notice, though, that there yeah. was no debit order going I off also your account? Asked that. You know you have to pay your cell phone account. Yeah, and that's where the story gets even more preposterous because there was a telecom debit order every month, but it was for another contract that he had cancelled with telecom, but oh, no. they'd never actually cancelled it on their system. He says, so unbeknown to me, I was still paying for that, and I thought it was for my, my new fiber contract. Right? Oh, my word. So he says, in April 2023, I got a call from a law firm and numerous SMSs saying my telecom account was in arrears. At that stage, it was 3,000 rand. It subsequently um, swelled to 8,000 rand. Yeah. He went into a telecom store, spoke to an agent who told him that according to his profile, the account was selected as self-pay as opposed to debit order and that I had never paid. What was worse was that the bank account number she had listed on the system was not that of mine, and I gave her my correct bank account number. So obviously, on the f in the call recording, he would have been heard um, giving out the correct number, which I was, must have then been captured, captured incorrectly. Yeah. But then, so once they had his correct number, then they start trying to debit him. Um, <laughs> anyway, he says um, he was told that only telecom sales team could sort out the dispute, and of course, to do that, the call reporting was was key. He said, I spoke to Telcom more than 20 times. The sales team would never let me speak to a manager or resolve my matter. They said they were not, and this is the part that really gets me, they are not allowed to release a copy of the call recording, but would listen to it internally and give me feedback. So not even saying you can go and listen to it in the store, go, go grovel cap in hand and, you know, say, please can I listen boy, to yeah. my own recording, my, you know, my own mandate that I should have in my possession. How does it, how can it ever be fair and just... 
at equal for the service provider to have the copy of the contract and you and the, and the customer to, yeah. not to. It blows my mind, really. Or legal for that matter, because you did say not, yes, exactly. the CPA requires that the customer should at the very least have, have access, access to it, and he's been no, denied access to it. He was to told it. he needs to, to a subpoena Telcom. Oh, for heaven's sake. I mean, I, I underline this is why you don't take out telephone contracts over the phone. He says, I want Telcom to release the initial sale according to me so I can prove Telcom messed up by catch by capturing my details um, alternatively I want my debt written off and to start afresh my contract is currently suspended um, so okay so his bank account details have been corrected the, the attempts to debit him continue he's not gotten hold of a copy of the recording because they're telling him he's not allowed to have it Wendy what happened when you okay. took up the case with Telcom Something that does happen from time to time. <laughs> of course, I suggested they retrieve the call as soon as possible to ascertain whether Oren was telling the truth or not and to interrogate why his cancellation notification on the other account was not actioned. Um, I said if that was another failure, could the debits action for that account that did come off his account be transferred to the alleged 8,000 rand debt you know, currently being claimed from him by Telcom? The response was the the um, the call recording was found, but there were technical difficulties to download and downloading oh, come it. On. I, I know. Um, therefore, we are yet to hear what the customer was advised when the application was made. It's very convenient. A ticket was logged and escalated to the IT department to urgently assist, um, and it's been resolved. And so I, I checked with Oren. He says yes, and it was a very nice resolu- resolution. Um, they've written off the, that 8,000 rand debt, and they are refunding him for the contract that he cancelled. Oh, well done. Um, which wasn't cancelled on the, the end. Thanks, he said. I have been trying to sort this out for over a year. Same story as Herman, different company. Telesales is the bottom line. Difficulties over the call recording in Oren's case. Mm. Um, it wasn't the case in Herman's matter, but then everything else was. They just didn't sort it out. And, um yeah, just so keep at your peril. I mean, the takeout here for listeners, Wendy, is one, your advisors don't agree to contracts over the phone, full stop. You can't deal with if, if anyone face-to-face about it and you could be easily ignored. Just You've got no proof in your hands of what was actually no. offered to you unless you are... Uh, would you be allowed to record when when they phone? Yeah, to that's say the other thing. It's MTM phoning to discuss your upgrade. All calls are recorded, then you can say absolutely. I'm going to record what as I, well. What I say to people is when they phone and say this call will be recorded, I said, oh, well, I'm willing to entertain you and possibly even get, enter into the contract if you can give me an undertaking that I'm going to get a copy of this call within five days. You'll have one. It's only fair I have one too. No, hold the supervisor. No, okay. That's what I thought. Thank you very much. And that's what I would advise people to say. Just more people keep saying it. Um, I'm determined that I'm going to get this nonsense sorted out. Really, I'm going to keep on. It's just preposterous. So don't do it is the bottom line. If you must do it for whatever reason, make sure that you get very clear promises of deliverable deliverables in that recording and then uh, that if anything goes wrong remember that you have the right to demand access to that recording so there is some wiggle room for them to say they might not want to send it to you but you have the right to access it and listen to it Wendy so even if that means you've got to drive into a store you don't have to go to court to ask for it you have the right to take a listen to that recording and it's really worth your while to download an app uh, that allows you to record such conversations you can get them to phone you back so you can ready yourself if necessary somebody's suggestion on the whatsapp line is that they've asked telesales 
people to first email the T's and C's through They'll before they're greeted. Their comment is this has worked in some cases. Oh. That's very interesting. Oh, I'm very surprised. All right. Um, I believe we've got a voice note that's come through responding to this conversation. And um, happy to take one or two more WhatsApps to 0725671567. Uh, if you'd like to comment, let's take a listen. Hi, Papa and Wendy. Um, these stories come down to something for me that seems to be missed. Why is our bank, um, of whom I'm the customer, allowing this to come off? We should be able to stop it um, at will with our bank. And then they should say to the merchant, take up the issue with the customer, with their customer, which is us. I don't understand why the banks seem to side with the merchants in many, many of these cases. If, if I am the bank's customer, they should take an instruction from me to prevent debit orders, even if they have a signed document. I should be able to switch that off and then the merchant has to take it up with me. Um, I just don't understand that. This is Glenn in the city. Thanks, Glenn. Your comment, There's some logistical problems with that. First of all, uh, it is a reality that that would be entirely abused by consumers. If it was a valid mandate and you just couldn't pay one month and then you went to your bank, you must stop it. That's clearly not um, a a feasible solution. So there there are ways to dispute a debit order, um, but... The, because there is that mandate that will, they will keep on firing it, you've got to actually get the get the dispute resolved with the service provider. You can't expect a bank to, what must they now call the call recording? I mean, there are millions and millions of debit orders going through the system every month. It's it's not their role. I know that seems like it should be, but they, they aren't the gatekeepers in, the, in these particular matters where there is a valid mandate it's just that um, so it's not a fraudulent contract it's just there is some misrepresentation that's that's um a very complicated matter and need to say it needs to be resolved at source mm. um yeah and if there were any um, bank fees payable like you were stopping the debit orders and it costs you every month and that kind of thing then i would certainly say you would have every right to say to your to when once the matter is finally resolved saying and you will here are my bank fees here's a printout of my statements and i will have those refunded as well thank you very much mm. when just to clarify uh, would we be within our rights to say Thank you. I'll entertain your call. I will be recording this conversation yes. as well. Let's keep that as your yes. your record of the fo- yes. of the contract. Absolutely, they're keeping yeah. a recording. Um, and you've disclosed that you are. They're recording. not going to give yeah. you. They're and not going to send it to, to you. The conversation. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And if they don't want that, then then you've dodged a bullet. Hmm. Something to think about. Wendy, thank you very, very much for that. Before we say goodbye, I know you wanted to talk about a case that you're busy working on still because you believe there might be other um, examples. Uh, examples out there. If we just go back to, to page two, Wendy, and the issue of the pharmacy yes. pricing. So about two or three weeks back, a listener posed a question via our WhatsApp line, and that is, if I'm using my medical scheme savings, my money, to buy something from a pharmacy, why are they allowed to charge the medical aid rate, which is higher than what is advertised as the on-shelf price? We, we're back to display, displayed mm-hmm. prices here. Generally, I pay 50 to 100 rand more when they apply the medical aid rates. Is this not enrichment and beneficial to the pharmacy doing this, taking this from medical savings as opposed to in-store cash? was a very interesting issue. I undertook on air to um, get an answer from the Council for Medical Schemes, mm-hmm. um, and I <laughs> did so uh, more than two weeks ago, and I keep going back and asking. I wanted to go to, to, to tackle this in last week's show. 
Um, but no, it's going through every department of that body and uh, keeping top. We are on it. Uh, my latest one was one more week. Um, I have a draft from the benefits management unit. I'm yes. waiting for our research team to add and verify. So I'm, um, yeah, hopefully next week, Pippa. And I'm hoping if other listeners have examples of of this happening to them yeah. um, with a sort of dual price system. Um, and, and yes, that listener is absolutely right. Your medical save, medical MSA, medical savings, savings account, account is your, your money. money. If you resign from the medical scheme, that money will be refunded to you a few months down the line. It is your money. Mm. It's a portion of the contributions that you make every month for for the purposes of buying these, these things, kind of things if you okay. want to use your account for that yeah so I think it's a really interesting issue and yeah just to put a heads up to listeners if, if something that affects you please let us know in the next few days couple of days just pop an email either through to me on pippah at capetalk.co.za or directly to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R and Wendy thanks as always for your efforts on behalf of our Thank listeners you. we'll thanks, chat Papa. again next week Wednesday